Welcome to Disputed, a Norton Rose Fulbright podcast. And if you have a connection to the construction industry, this episode is for you. Whether you're an owner, contractor, subcontractor, or otherwise connected to a construction project, you will likely have faced payment delays or payment disputes at some point. For subcontractors especially, delayed payment compounded by supply chain disruptions and economic effects of the past few years has caused serious financial difficulties. Resolving payment disputes through the court system may often look like an unsatisfactory and additionally time-consuming solution. But the laws across Canada are changing. Provincial governments are trying to alleviate these effects down the construction pyramid by introducing statutory deadlines for issuing and paying invoices, and a fast-track adjudication system for resolving disputes. This episode focuses on those changes, in particular in Ontario and Alberta. Ontario's new regime came into force in October 2019, and Alberta's changes, which are partly modeled on Ontario's, are happening on August 29, 2022 with the introduction of the Prompt Payment and Construction Lien Act. We are asking two of our construction lawyers in these provinces to break down the new legislation, give us some insight into how those changes are working in Ontario, what we might expect to play out in Alberta, and consider what strategies parties can use to navigate the new laws. Kelly Moffat-Barima is a partner in our Calgary office, and her practice focuses on construction disputes, complex commercial litigation, and professional liability matters, with a focus on energy and lien claims. Ted Brooke is a senior associate in our Toronto office. He practices complex commercial litigation with a focus on construction disputes, class actions, and environmental claims. Kelly and Ted work with parties at all levels of the construction pyramid, from owners to consultants, general contractors, and trades. Also, just a quick note before we get started. For those in Alberta, Norton Rose Fulbright is developing a new app to help you calculate your payment adjudication and lien registration deadlines under the new Alberta statute. A link to where you can download this app will be made available in this episode's description. Ted, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Okay, so let's start by setting the scene. What are the issues that the construction industry has faced in the past decade and what have provincial governments done to try and deal with this? The Prompt Payment and Construction Lien Act that's coming into Alberta is part of a nationwide effort that Canada's engaged in to alleviate um, perceived delays in payment and speed up construction disputes down the construction pyramid more generally. And looking to Alberta more specifically, uh, this is the first attempt that the legislature has had to modernize the Builders Lien Act in about 20 years. And the reasons for that modernization were numerous. Uh, The time for payment in Alberta construction has increased to over 70 days. Uh, Disputes have been taking a very long time to um, run through the courts and they cost quite a bit of money because all lien claims are required to go through the Alberta Court of Queen's bench. And it was difficult for parties to advocate for themselves because of subcontractors and contractors wanting to maintain good relationships throughout uh, their business. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll just add that, you know, Canada for a while was lagging behind uh, our peers internationally. Um, so countries like the United Kingdom, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, uh, they've all had some um, mechanisms in place to address uh, payment delay issues in the construction industry for quite some time. And so 
what we've been seeing over the past few years is, is Canada's uh, construction industry um, and legislators stepping up to, to introduce some changes. Ted, you're based in Toronto. Where does Ontario sit on the process of trying to tackle this issue? Um, so uh, Ontario uh, was one of the first provinces uh, in Canada to introduce um, a number of modernization amendments to our uh, Construction Act. And so that included a, a set of amendments in July of 2018, followed by some really important amendments, two really important amendments in October of 2019. And so those two amendments, um, which we'll talk about today, include the introduction of a prompt payment regime and the introduction of a quick adjudication process for disputes related to prompt payment and, and other matters. Prompt payment is just a fancy way of saying that there are now legal deadlines for paying or disputing invoices in the construction sector. And, and that prompt payment regime applies to all parties in the construction pyramid. Uh, and it applies to all sizes and, and types of projects from small residential improvements to massive 3P projects. Um, the bottom line um, is that owners have 28 days to pay a contractor after the receipt of a proper invoice. And then contractors have seven days to pay their subcontractors after receiving payment from an owner. And, and again, that prompt payment is mandatory for all contracts. The parties do have some flexibility to establish milestones or, or payment schedules, but, but ultimately once a proper invoice is received, that 28 day clock starts running. And, and that was the big, the big change that was introduced in 2019. And so how does that compare to the time period that parties normally had for paying invoices? I know Kelly mentioned it was up to 70 days in Alberta. Was it similar in Ontario? Um, there was no legislated deadline for the payment of invoices in the construction sector. And so uh, really it came down to a matter of, of contract um, and agreements reached between private parties. What, what the prompt payment regime does is it imposes a deadline um, onto parties in the construction period pyramid, regardless of what their contracts might say, and regardless of what their normal practices may have been for paying an invoice, whether it was 60 days or 90 days. Um, if a proper invoice is received by an owner, then that 28 day clock starts running. Yeah, interestingly, in the original bill that was put forward in the Alberta legislature, um, our legislature tried to differ a little bit from Ontario's prompt payment timelines at the outset by requiring simply that all payments up and down the pyramid would be required to be made within 28 days. It actually would have been just 28 days period. So owners would have had to pay well in advance of that 28 day period. And that was met with with quite a bit of pushback from various stakeholders saying that uh, making that finite 28 day period would make it essentially impossible for all subcontractors down the chain to be paid in a timely manner. And so that resulted in a rather significant amendment to Bill 37, which is what we see in the ultimate legislation today that matches exactly what Ted has described as, uh, as the deadlines in Ontario. But tell us about scope. So, so who's caught, what kinds of projects or agreements will be caught by the Alberta legislation? 
So the legislation applies to any contract or handshake agreement that uh, provides materials or work for what's defined in the legislation as an improvement in the land in Alberta. So that includes everyone up and down the construction pyramid, developers, uh, contractors, subcontractors. And interestingly, the new act also includes consultants such as registered architects and engineers, which is um, quite a significant change from the Builders' Lean Act. The only, the only contracts that it does not apply to are public works as defined in the Public Works Act. And that is similar to the prior legislation. So if you are contracting with the Provincial Crown, um, this act doesn't apply to you. Otherwise, you need to pay attention. It's if the improvement occurs in Alberta, so if it involves Alberta soil, that's, this is the act that will apply. We've touched obviously on the prompt payment concept that, that's sort of foundational to this and the timing of it. Tell us about the fast track adjudication program in Alberta. So the fast track adjudication program is also or modeled on the Ontario regime. So basically if the payment from the owner doesn't come down the pipe within 28 days, uh, or if there's a notice of dispute of payment anywhere up and down the construction chain, the uh, person who's not getting paid or the person who disputes the amount of the payment is entitled to forward the matter to the adjudication process. And what happens in that case is a nominating authority that's designated by uh, the legislation uh, trains various adjudicators who are then appointed to adjudicate the dispute. It's anticipated to happen in a very streamlined process such that you get a resolution to your dispute within two months. I think we want to dive a bit deeper into the adjudication because that's really the substance of what we're going to be talking about. It's one of the two most significant changes. Ted, coming back to Ontario, can you tell us a bit about the adjudication regime in your province? Yeah, of course. So um, we've said that there's this 28-day clock that starts running upon the receipt of a, of a proper invoice. But an owner may not want to pay that invoice, right? And so there's actually another clock that starts running too. Within 14 days of receiving a proper invoice, if an owner doesn't want to pay it, they must provide what's called a notice of non-payment to the contractor. And that notice needs to set out the reasons why they're not going to pay the invoice. If the, if the notice isn't sent, if it's not delivered on time, then the owner is legally obligated to pay um, the invoice and they have to do it within 28 days. But if they decide to dispute, then that can trigger an adjudication process. And this is fast. It's much faster than the typical time period where we would be seeing um, the invoices of contractors and subcontractors subcontractors getting paid uh, prior to the prompt payment and adjudication regimes. So the adjudication process um, covers a, a range of different disputes related to payment in the construction sector. It could be a dispute over the value of the services that were actually provided. Could be a dispute about a change order in relation to an invoice. Um, it could be simply a, a dispute regarding um, the reasons given in a notice of non-payment by an owner. And this adjudication process is fast. It happens out of court and it's done by specialists with industry experience. They might be engineers, 
They might be construction lawyers. They might be project managers. But all of the adjudicators have been uh, appointed in Ontario by an organization known as ODAC, O-D-A-C-C, um, who has uh, approved of these individuals and uh, provided them with training to, to handle the adjudications very quickly. So an adjudicator must release a decision in a dispute within 30 days of receiving the required documents for the adjudication. And that determination by the adjudicator um, is binding on the parties subject to uh, a court or an arbitrator um, at some later point in time um, resolving uh, the issue on the merits. Something implicit, though, in what you're saying, Ted, you refer to interim invoices and payments, and we talk about things being resolved on their merits in court or through an arbitration later. Are these adjudications really just over the preliminary question of whether money should flow to a contractor or subcontractor pending a, a further resolution of a case? Uh, or, or is this final in and of itself subject to a, something like a judicial review or an appeal? Yes, that's, that's a fantastic question, and it's an important one. So um, the philosophy behind Ontario's prompt payment and quick adjudication process is pay now, argue later. And so um, the process wants to, wants to steer parties towards paying those invoices without prejudice to, to their rights, um, perhaps to uh, bring a lien claim um, at some later point. Uh, have an, arb an arbitrator, uh, you know, in accordance with the contract between the parties resolve that dispute. But um, in the interim, the project's going to move forward and the flow of funds is going to continue down the uh, construction pyramid. And, and it's fast. So, you know, an owner has 10 days to pay an, uh, an invoice following the determination of an adjudicator. So that, that payment needs to happen right away, but it's without prejudice to them going to court after the project um, to try and uh, recover that if, if they disagree with the adjudicator's findings. Um, but in the interim, that order is binding and it can be enforced by the contractor or subcontractor with the power of a court order. What we've seen from other jurisdictions is that typically parties are not challenging or attempting to relitigate the decisions of adjudicators that are made during the course of the project. So um, that's important to emphasize, just because the adjudicator's decision is without prejudice to, um, or can be revisited at some point in the future, doesn't mean that parties are actually doing it. Um, typically what we see in other jurisdictions is that um, they either don't revisit the issue, um, or if they try, they're not successful. Because the adjudicators are dealing with these issues, they're experienced um, in the construction industry, and uh, they're dealing with them in real time based on evidence that's, that's fresh um, and uh, with, with the available documents that a court would have in any event. And as a function just of litigation economics, it's interesting because with the timelines that are imposed by the prompt payment regime, you're breaking what could be a much larger dispute up into bite-sized pieces that are harder to litigate or relitigate on their own. And it, it really changes the litigation dynamics because you could see a subcontractor building up a whole list of complaints of underpayment or problems with billings and having on an aggregate basis a better justification for litigation. The same thing for a contractor withholding payment 
from subs, if there's a lot of deficiencies to complain about, it makes the economic game of litigation a lot easier to play. But you're breaking things up into these tiny pieces and saying you've got to fight over each one in this tiny period of time. It's actually it's quite a bit more difficult to sort of raise them uh, separately as if they need to be dealt with on their own. It's an interesting intentional otherwise byproduct of how it seems like this would work. Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely. The the bite-sized piece part is 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 important and that's what makes I think the the process possible. One of the things that that we've been looking at in Alberta with with some interest is how the adjudication process has really played out um, in Ontario as the most comparable jurisdiction to what's coming down the pipe for us. And it looks as though even though you can break these uh, interim issues with respect to payment into these bite-sized pieces and put them through the adjudication process. It appears that parties aren't doing that. Um, they're, they're choosing uh, either, either to just run projects more smoothly, which I think we all is know is probably not the case because there's been no massive shift in uh, construction industry practice that I'm aware of in Ontario. Um, and so I think that many parties are um, likely choosing the court route, regardless of the fact that this adjudication process is um, available to them. Um, in some ways, it's unfortunate that the take up of the adjudication process has been still quite slow. And, and, and just to put some, some numbers on that, according to ODAC in, in their 2021 uh, year-end report, there were 50 adjudications started in Ontario in 2021. And, and there were, I think, almost 100,000 new housing starts in 2021, right? So that's just residential construction sector, 100,000 brand new projects. There were 50 adjudications started in 2021. That's up from, from 32 adjudications that, that were commenced in 2020. But not much, and, and it's still minuscule compared to, to the size of the construction industry in this province. So I, I thought the adjudication process was mandatory. But is that only mandatory if a party issues a notice of adjudication? Yes, exactly. And, and that's something to keep in mind, right? There is no enforcement body for the Construction Act in Ontario. There is no ministry of construction that will um prosecute parties that don't play by the rules what the act does is it provides tools to everyone in the uh, construction pyramid and in, the, in this case these prompt payment and adjudication uh, provisions provide in particular subcontractors trades and contractors with tools but if people don't use the tools then we're not going to see the results and Kelly, do you expect it similar in Alberta or it will be similar in Alberta? Yeah, that there seems to be quite a bit of uncertainty as to whether um, our industry is going to respond uh, to the adjudication process uh, in a favorable way. And I think that for, for better or for worse, we're more likely to resemble Ontario, keeping in mind that for Ontario, even this is early days in the legislation. and the transitional provisions in Ontario are different than what we're going to have in Alberta, such that um, the implementation on grandfathered in contracts in Ontario um, 
is a larger percentage of what, uh, of what is happening right now. And so it may be that, that adjudications are on the upswing in Ontario, we're not sure yet. But in Alberta, the way that the adjudication process unfolds is similar. It's mandatory, but only if the parties decide to use it. And even when an adjudication uh, occurs, the determination of that adjudication is binding on the parties unless a court order is made or the parties apply for judicial review or the parties enter into a written agreement to appoint an arbitrator after the determination, or if the parties resolve the matter by written agreement after the determination. So it's determinative if the parties want it to be determinative. And that's something that all parties who are going to be subject to this legislation need to consider when they're drafting their agreements for new bills. Um, If you want this process to be determinative, you should put those words in your contract. That's just an argument you could bring to the court based on the wording of the legislation. And I have to say the logic of it is curious to me, the logic of thinking that to solve the problem of the inequity in bargaining for subcontractors who may not wanna be the squeaky wheel advocating to get the grease, that you create a regime that makes it easier for them to be a squeaky wheel when that's not what they want to be. I mean, ultimately, it seems like a prisoner's dilemma problem where I, if everybody adopted the attitude that this is a good regime for us to make sure we get paid quickly, then contractors wouldn't have an incentive to try to bargain as between different available options who either would or wouldn't have recourse to the regime. But until you get to a point where everyone says, yeah, this is good for us, let's opt in, it does seem like you've got, you know, the, the economic term would be perverse incentives for for other contractors to go against what may not be in their interest, avoid the regime, be a little bit more easygoing and collect the business as opposed to other people who wanna advocate for themselves. It's, it's tricky to see how the logic of this plays out in practice as well as, as well intentioned as it may be. Yeah, and it's certainly, we're hoping for the best um, and trying to advise our clients that this is in their interest to to participate in, particularly from the owner's side. You, know, you, you mentioned contractors and subcontractors and that sort of prisoner's dilemma, and I agree with you. On the owner's side, the issue they have is they could say, okay, we're not gonna deal with this at all. But if they get hit with a notice of non-payment and then a mandatory adjudication and the subcontractor wins that fight, then they've got to, you know, they've got to spend the money to go to court. They've got to try and get a judicial review. Um, and we have a uh, jurisprudence out of Ontario saying that if you're not complying with the act and you try and go through the judicial review process, we're going to dismiss your case out of hand. And so it's a real risk analysis that every industry participant needs to go into, keeping in mind that you need to play nice in the sandbox with your with your business partners on projects and you can't contract out of this act. One of the noticeable things about the acts is the kind of lack of uh, penalties for non-compliance. What are your thoughts on the consequences of non-compliance with the payment deadlines and the adjudication process? As far as consequences go for failing to comply um, with the prompt payment requirements or with an adjudicator's order. There, there are two, I think, that 
we could add to the conversation because they're important, right? Mm -hmm. So one is that there are mandatory um, interest clauses that um, are in the act in Ontario. And um, if a, a prompt payment deadline is missed, the invoice is going to automatically start accruing interest regardless of what the contract says. So that's new and that's a little bit of an incentive um, for, for parties to comply with their prompt payment deadlines. The second, um, I think the really important consequence uh, is something that uh, Kelly just uh, referred to. That's the Ontario Divisional Court's decision in, in Soda Dental, which uh, came out this spring. And in that case, a three-judge panel of the Divisional Court um, rejected an owner's application for judicial review from an adjudicator's order because not to do with anything on the merits of the case, it was simply rejected because the owner had neither uh, paid the adjudicator's order that was under review, uh, nor moved for a stay of the decision. And, and what the message was, was pretty clear. It's that if you try and bring an application for judicial review while not paying an adjudicator's order, it's just gonna get dismissed out of hand by the divisional court. So, I mean, I, I think that that is a, a significant consequence um, and, and certainly a message that was being sent by the divisional court to the industry that the adjudication process needs to be respected and that when it is used, um, the courts are not going to permit parties to delay payment by commencing court actions. Mm, yeah, so if you want to, you want the benefit of the game, you have to play by the rules of it, right? Yeah, but it just keeps coming back to that, that prisoner's dilemma that Andrew has, has identified. Uh, why aren't more parties playing by the rules of the game, even when those rules would benefit them? I've spoken to clients about this. I've spoken to other lawyers who practice in the sector and people have different theories. Uh, obviously, um, the construction industry is a relationship-based sector. Um, a contractor's relationship with their subtrades is really important. Um, you know, large firms are trying to win business and, and repeat business from owners. Um, owners, you know, want to keep their best contractors happy. And so they may be paying them uh, under deadlines that are faster than the prompt payment uh, requirements already. So, you know, there's a relationship dynamic to the industry that these legislative regimes you know, might not be mapping onto perfectly. I, I think that that's just exactly the type of thinking that's going to go on in industry in Alberta when this comes in. We're not a huge province. It's not a huge industry. You want repeat business. And so even though you can be the squeaky wheel under this legislation and maybe get what you want out of one project, I think there's going to be quite a bit of consideration from all industry participants as to whether the benefits on that one project will outweigh the, uh, the continuing relationships that they may jeopardize through putting this into a, putting any dispute into adjudication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I've got two more thoughts. The first thought, comment is that um, speaking to smaller contractors, they find the adjudication process confusing. It it's feels like a layer of, of bureaucracy. And even just having to serve uh, a notice of adjudication by a specific deadline is, is overwhelming when they're trying to manage 
uh, a, a number of different variables on, on a number of different projects happening at the same time. So it's just that one more back office thing that uh, owners don't have time to deal with. And so I think that's part of the reason why um, it's not, or why the take up has been slow. And I think that to just build on Ted's point there, something that is also onerous for smaller subcontractors is that, as Ted mentioned earlier, the adjudication process is without prejudice to a subcontractor's lien right. And in fact, even though the adjudication process is fast and can be resolved within two months, that's the period in which your, your lien claim expires. Under the new legislation in Alberta, your lien claim will be 60 days. And so if you're unhappy with the adjudication's results and you want to try and bring a court action after that, if you haven't filed your lien, you're left with just a debt action. And so small subcontractors may be making the cost benefit analysis of, do I wanna just file a lien like I've always done and you know, register my secured interest against title? Or do I wanna try this new adjudication process or should I be doing both? And so it's confusing for, um, for, for smaller players for sure and larger players to be perfectly honest. Contracts that were entered into before October 2019 are subject to the old provisions of the Ontario Construction Act, right? A lot of big infrastructure started before October 2019. And any procurement process that was initiated before October 2019, even if the contract was entered into after, still subject to the old act. So silver lining, it's possible that one of the reasons why we're not seeing a big uptake is because some major infrastructure projects that will be subject to the prompt payment regime in the future are still operating under the old rules. And there's actually more, more, more to it than that. So um, I was speaking to someone in the industry and they were mentioning how what they have recently been seeing is major owners, like the big infrastructure players are starting to incorporate language that mirrors the prompt payment deadlines into their prime contracts. So even though arguably that's implied by way of the act, they're starting to see it in requests for proposals and bidding documents, the language of the act. And, and I think that that's part of the kind of culture shift that we need to see in the sector is contractors, owners, especially at the top of the construction pyramid, adopting prompt payment deadlines as their own, not just something that's in a statute or the regulations. And it'll be interesting to see if the uptake in Alberta is different because the transitional provisions are different. Every new contract executed after August 29th, 2022 in Alberta will be subject to this new act. And so the delay in um, applicability of the new legislation will be less so in Alberta. And so we may see uptake uh, more quickly You've hinted at this already, Kelly, but take us through what conversations you're having with clients, whether they're on the builder side or the contractor side, about how to get ready, how to think about what life's going to be like when these provisions come into force. We're having several discussions with clients um, with respect to how to get ready um, in terms of new contracts and how to modify your existing contracts to make sure they're in compliance with the Act. So. Our first tip always is review your contracts and your subcontracts. 
if you have draft or standard term contracts that will be entered into after August 29th, which is the date this legislation comes into, for into force, ensure that they include terms addressing proper invoicing. There is a template form of the proper invoice in the regulations. We have been advising clients just to simply append that template to their contracts so expectations are aligned between the parties. Make sure you're up to speed on the notice requirements. Make sure you understand um, how change orders will be impacted by those notice requirements and make sure you take appropriate, uh, you know the appropriate steps to take if a notice of dispute or adjudication is issued. What I would recommend any uh, business in, in the sector do is, is come up with a plan. Um, if, you're, if you're on the owner side, you need a plan to triage proper invoices and identify um, with your consultants, uh, project managers, finance team, um, lenders, uh, very quickly within 14 days, whether you're going to dispute an invoice. So instead of being caught off guard, uh, make sure that, that you have a triage plan in place. Um, and then um, on the contractor, subcontractor side, I think it's important to uh, have a plan for serving a, a notice of adjudication quickly. Work with your um, project manager team and, and legal team to come up with a template notice of adjudication that you're populating with reasons that are relevant to the specific invoice for the project. So it's ready to go. And you're not the one who's caught flat-footed and you're taking advantage um, of the deadlines that, that work in your favor. Another thing that I'll add that's really specific to the Alberta context is um, in the energy sector, we have many companies that work primarily through master services agreement that last for years with their contractors. And an issue has arisen that I've discussed with lots of clients about whether an MSA that is entered into before the effective date of this legislation um, is grandfathered into the transitional provisions, meaning that it doesn't need to comply with the new act until 2024. And the answer to that is the act doesn't give you a certain answer on that, but you can't assume that purchase orders or service orders that you are executing with your service providers under a pre-August 29th master service agreement will not be subject to the new act. That is very much contextually dependent on what the language is in your master service agreement. And so an, an overview of your master service agreements um, needs to be conducted before August 29th so you can ensure you're in compliance. One of the parts of the, the legislation, certainly in Alberta, is that there is a risk of um, a contractor being caught in the middle. And by that, I mean, uh, say you're a contractor and you have not been paid by the owner, but the subcontractor has issued their invoice to you. You could be in a position where you have to uh, pay the subcontractor in full, even though you have not been paid by the owner yet. So what would you do in that situation? The rules require the contractor to pay their subcontractor within 35 days or commence an adjudication against the owner. So either way, the payment uh, deadlines are gonna be enforced and there's potential for contractors to be stuck in the middle. If they receive a proper invoice from a subcontractor and they've given a proper invoice to an owner that hasn't been paid, um, in, in that scenario, you either need to pay the subcontractor and eat the cost, which 
no contractor is going to want to do, um, or you need to commence adjudication against the owner. Uh, Kelly, Ted, thank you very much for your time and it's very valuable. It's great. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Disputed. If you'd like to find out more about this topic or how to contact our guests, please visit nortonrosefulbright.com slash disputed. Also, if you have any questions, feedback, or topics that you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please do email us at disputed at nortonrosefulbright.com. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to Disputed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.